Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I am your host, Kay Fresh, and like always, we have a great show for you. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can go to freshthepodcast.com, and any links that you see on that website, go ahead and you know share with on your social media. You know, definitely that would help out the podcast. And you can also click on the link at the top of the uh, of the screen that says "Support the Podcast," and there's a PayPal link that you can donate to. And there's also an Amazon link that you can use anytime you want to make purchases on Amazon. Use that link, and it will uh, shoot us back a little bit of commission. Doesn't change anything on your end, but it does help out the podcast. You can also follow Fresh of the Word on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh of the Podcast One. That's Fresh of the Podcast, then the number one. And then on Facebook at facebook.com slash fresh the podcast. Then you can also subscribe and follow Fresh the Word on a bunch of different platforms. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just go to any of those platforms, search Fresh the Word, and you'll find it. You can go ahead and subscribe, follow, do whatever the website tells you to do. And you can also leave us feedback, five-star rating if that's applicable. That would be definitely definitely be helpful all right on to the show this week's guest is a good friend of mine emily lazar she goes by september of the hard rock band all-encompassing art project september morning they have a new video that comes out today it's called till you see heaven and we talk about that we talk about their 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 first issue of their comic book that came out through Top Cow Productions, Image Comics, the first volume of the September Morning comic book. We also talk about a, a slew of other things in regards to being an artist, B 
being in a band and whatnot. We uh, go into a lot of really deep stuff. Um, you know, Emily is definitely a good friend of mine, and we, we always have really good, you know, deep conversations about things, so it was great to talk with her again. Uh, there's going to be no discussion segments of the podcast afterwards with V-Styles. Uh, just things in life happened this week, so I decided just to skip it. Um, hopefully, it'll be back next week. Uh, there is going to be a little bit of a change in regards to that segment and just and just the podcast, you, you know, as a whole, you know, in the upcoming weeks, just as life changes and stuff like that. I want to, you know, just tinker with it. So I'm excited about all that. And I'm really excited to bring this interview with Emily Lazar from September Morning. So let's get to the interview. My, my reception is all fuzzy right now, but um, we're traveling. so But I think it'll be okay. All good, all good, all good. How you doing? Good, good, you know. Just tired already. <laughs> Two weeks in, I'm like, okay, well, how many shows we got left? <laughs> it's like that it's like the air conditioner broke in our sprinter again and so it's like hot as balls back here but it's okay right we're right. dealing we're dealing <laughs> right 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 so. yeah i was just like um i was just like thinking about this this weekend because like i was like dude man this whole weekend i'm like so exhausted myself and um yeah the funny thing is is that i um i've been uh, reading this book about what talks about sort of uh rest and creativity and how like um you know how to sort of um work less to produce more and how right. like a lot of like the great like sort of authors and thinkers and scientists of the past have like def have, have actually like who only like did like maybe three, four, five hours of concentrated work a day and everything else was yeah. sort of leisure to sort of cultivate that creativity and stuff. So I was like thinking yeah. about that and I'm like, all right, I was like, all right, I, I, I just need to like, I got to not stress myself out about all the stuff that I want to get done. If I can just like pick away at like certain things, I should be cool. Yeah, no, it's true. You got to have that like balance. It's really important. Especially with creative people. Like, with, like, people that are in business business, like, you can work till you're falling over. But, like, if it's a creative venture, like, you have to, like, have the balance or else it doesn't really work. Right, yeah. For someone like you, you know, who I just always see that is a, has her hands in, like, all sorts of different projects, you know, how how long do you have – how long do you go with, like – like undivided sort of creative thinking before you need a break and then you know or when when do you need that sort of uh time when when you need more leisure to sort of cultivate what you were working on pr uh, previously i think because i'm doing like different things like i hop around between different things i think that i can work longer because i'm not working on the same thing for like a longer like I, I work on one thing for a little while and then I switch to another thing and I switch to another thing. You know? So it's not like it's constantly the same thing, like, you know, grinding myself into the dirt on the same thing, you know? I think that's how I kind of like keep it going. Cause like I can do, you know, if I have like three creative things going, I just jump around between them and I don't work more than two or three hours on one, you know? Right. And then I'm the next. So that it's constantly, like, I'm switching my brain. 
productivity. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's not like just focusing all on this for 24 hours and then killing myself. Because, like, it's like writing songs. Like, all like with lyric writing and stuff like that, I'll, like, write at night for maybe, like, an hour or I'll freeform for, like, 15 minutes and then I'll just put it away. Like, you know, if it's not coming, I won't, I won't just be like, I have to write this today. Like, it's not, it's not how it works. Like, it just has to, you know, come to you uh, in a natural form or else it's not going to come. You know what I'm saying? Right. What is so, your form of so. leisure? What do you do to get away from all the, the work that you do? Do you go for walks? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I go I go watch a movie. I go I go do something that'll put my brain in a different spot, you know. So whatever that is, like I like to go to the gym because you know the endorphins help me creatively think better. Yeah. Um, you know, I like uh, um, I like going to see movies. I like reading books. I like you know watching some stupid Netflix show. Like just something that gets my brain off of the thing that I'm thinking about because you know that's the big thing it's not relaxing just your body it's like relaxing your mind right which is like very important for right. creative people um so so yeah that's that's pretty much what I do right definitely yeah when when I need that break I always go watch wrestling as you might have already, you might not yeah. be shocked yeah, <laughs> that especially yeah. like I like watching Japanese wrestling in particular because it's more um, it's more like competition based. There's not as like heavy of storylines. Uh, sometimes there's mm-hmm. not even uh, commentary on that, so it can be a lot more like sort of a visual thing for me to watch. And right, it kind something of, that just doesn't have you. You don't have to think. Yeah, I don't know? have. To, I don't have something to really. Literally, does not let you think. Yeah, I literally don't have to think. I don't have to, and I can just sort of be amazed by like what's going on in another way with, um, like, in, in regards to what they do, how they do things in Japan. So that's 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 what I was actually doing, like before uh, uh, I'm talking with you. I was actually watching the New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling G1 Climax tournament. Like it yeah. started last night, so I was watching the first night uh, before we uh, started talking here, and I was like, "That that sort of just always relaxes me." Yeah, well, that's what you need to do then. Right. Like you just find something that like takes your brain out of the out of the equation, and right. then you use that to like rest. You know, right? So I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to sleep. Like I'm an insomniac, and yeah, a lot of that problem is because my brain won't shut down. Oh, so it's yeah. like meditation or anything like that. I mean, meditation works sometimes for me, but um, I'm not very good at it. So, like for me, it's just like watching something or reading something that just totally puts my brain in a different spot. You know, that's my type of like getting out of my head sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Like recently, like like when my brain is like screaming, um, along with like the wrestling, I've actually been. Um, getting more into reading comic books and that's actually been able to get, mm-hmm. get my mind out of like this weird place. That's kind of like what started me into comic books in the first place. It was like that, that thing that an anime, like it's kind of like was that place where my brain could go that like, it wouldn't think of anything else. It would just, just be focused on these silly characters or these cool superheroes that like I had nothing in common with, or at least I thought so. And like, it just got me out of my headspace. 
you know, and so I think that that's why I got so drawn into that whole world is because, excuse pun, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, um, that's why I think I did. Right. And, and speaking of such, uh, just recently, the September morning comic book uh, has been uh, officially officially out at comic book stores mm-hmm. now. How's everything going with that? Yeah. You know, what's the what's been the response? Oh, it's been great. Um, we sold out of a lot of books, and, and it, it, the response has been, you know, really positive, and, and people seem to really like the storyline and, and love the characters. Um, they just, yeah, they like the world we're creating, you know, and bringing it to stage and bringing it to life in so many different formats is, is exciting for them. Great. One of my uh, favorite parts of the first issue of the comic book comes on the first page. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're sort of describing the subject of whims of fate, but then in the most mm-hmm. matter-of-factly way, it goes into who turns out to be kind of an asshole. I just thought that was yeah. a nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've all kind of felt that. You know, we've all kind of felt like the, these times in our lives where, you know, like, geez, like, why? Why does that have to happen now? You know, like, so it's kind of, it's kind of playing on that that thought process that we've all had. Right. Uh, the characters that you kind of, uh, you know, put together in the comic book, where are you pulling from? Because I know recently you uh, posted something on, on Facebook about how you were, when you were growing up, you were making characters up for you and your friends, and nothing has really yeah. changed in that matter for you. Like, where are you pulling from these characters? Um, I don't know. Like, uh, sometimes they just, they just come to me, you know, like it's like we were talking about putting your brain in a different spot and then going back to your creative vision and things just happen. They just, you know, kind of appear, you know, um, I think they're just all, I think all the characters are made up of little pieces of me magnified and like put into like, you know, personified into a different form. Um, I think that's where all these characters come from and, and the world kind of like initiates where they're going to, like who they're going to be as well, you know, creating the world, really knowing the world that you're creating really helps you create characters. I think that's a very true statement when you're writing. Is there anybody specific that the Claire character is based off of? Um, I think that it was probably based on, on one of my very good friends when I was a little girl. Um, she was one of my best friends um, in grade school. And I think that, and she had such an attitude and she was funny. And um, I think that a little bit of her kind of came through that Claire character. Right. Was there, was there sort of a real life comparison to what that Claire and September relationship is in the comic book in real life? I mean, not, I mean, our, like my, my friend and I, when we were growing up, we didn't really have like, of course that relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that I've always wanted a little sister, and I think that, you know, I just kind of made one in this comic book. You know? <laughs> so Why not? I think, you know, I can't have one in real life, so I'm going to make one in this book, you know, sort of thing. Um, so I think that a lot of that came from that. Right. Another thing that you uh, you mentioned in one of your Facebook posts was uh, you were talking about this drama club from back in your teens, this group of friends that were around you that helped like sort of mold your artistic side, you know, talk about that more. Yeah. What really sticks out about that time in your life? Um, just all the, 
experimental crap we did. <laughs> Just like, you know, I mean, I wasn't the most clean living person back then, you know, and I started really young into like a lot of negative things. Um, but in a way, they kind of sculpted who I am, you know, like I think you need to go through a lot of negative stuff to get to the positive stuff. I don't think everything is unicorns and radio- rainbows right out of the gate. You know, I think that when people have lives like that where they're just handed things over and over again, they don't really appreciate them as much as somebody who had to go through the crap to get there. And I think that um, a lot of my friends and I were part of that. You know, we all went through a lot of crap to get to where we are. And I think that's what made us, you know, a lot more um, creative, a lot more visionary, a lot more um, uh, emotional in the in the choices we make in creative in our creative visions and I think that's what ties a lot of people to the stories and to the art that I do is that there's a lot of emotion behind it and people can kind of pick through that and grab onto the pieces that they find are most important right yeah you've you've um you've always been sort of open about a lot of things that's gone on in your life you know whether it's how you've molded your creative endeavors uh, throughout your life to even personal things about, you know, domestic violence, um, you know, drugs and alcohol, whatever. You know, why do you feel like it's necessary to be so open about that much in your life within your projects or just talking about it online? Because I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that are going through those things. You know, I think that, you know, I think they're very prevalent in our society, whether we want to talk to talk about them or not. And I feel like um, social media has made it to the point where you kind of need to say it. You know, you need to tell people that, look, I went through all this, but I'm still standing and I'm still taking all this negativity and I'm making something positive out of it. And I think that, you know, of all the messages that September morning tends to bring to the forefront, I think the one big one is that out of all this negative space, you can make something positive. You just need to know where to harness the energy and how to point it in what direction instead of harming yourself or others or, you know, doing stuff like that. You can actually point all of that, all of that anger and all that confusion and all that brutality into something very, very positive because energy is energy. You know, it's, it's a force, you know, and you need to harness that force and make it, positive. I feel like I'm talking about Star Wars right now. <laughs> but it's like but it's very that. You right. know, I think the whole basis basis of Star Wars is, you know, it's the for it's it's all the different variations of the force. You have the dark side, you have the you know, the the Jedi, you have that they're both they're both harnessing the force in different ways. Right. But it's still the force. It's still the energy. But it's the the way that they want to use it is the difference. You know, and that's just how life is. I mean, that's that's why I think Star Wars is such a huge franchise is because it's so universal. Right. I mean, that's just such a universal feeling. It's how you harness what has happened to you and how you use that, you know, and how you don't, like, wallow in your pity and your grief, but you use that for something. You know, you use that for the fire in your belly to make you something great. And I think that's what... um you know, a lot of stories are written about. Right. Outside of, like, your, the, the stuff that you're doing, the stuff you're creating, you know, I know you're a big Star Wars fan. Um, 
you know, along with Star Wars, is there any other sort of, whether it's movies, comics, anime, specific characters, whatever, that you really started to relate to, you know, whether you're, whether it was growing up in your teens or even as an adult now? Well, I just watched the premiere of Game of Thrones last night on HBO Go. And um, I have to tell you, Arya is like my spirit animal. That girl (laughs) is me. Like that's that. If I was anybody in that series, I would be Arya. I I would be the murdering. (laughs) Like she's harnessing the force and she's just, she's all about revenge, which is, I have a big, there's a big piece of me that, that revenge drives a lot of, it's not really revenge, but it's like the the feeling of wanting to show people that you're better than what they think you are, sort of. Yes. Um, that kind of like feeling inside of me fuels a lot of creativity and it fuels a lot of everything I do. And I feel that that character in Game of Thrones, that's all she's about is like, you, she was, she was born into something that she didn't want to be. So she worked her way to transform herself into something else. And I think that, um, that's my life. You know, I worked hard to transform myself into what I'm doing now and I'm still, still growing into it, you know, and she's still growing into it. And it's just really cool to see her character arc throughout the series of where she started, where she began and where she's ending. It's just, it's very, very cool to me. I love her character. Right. When you sort of like, you know, pull from, you know, the things that you've experienced in the past, you know, do you ever experience things that you just feel like you can't get over um, from, you know, bad things in your life you just can't get, get over? And how do you sort of, you know, mold that into your art? Um, I used to. I used to have like this weird thing where I, I would, um, would just sit on something and it would just eat me alive. You know, I think we all have that a little bit. Yes. Um, and I, I just, I used to be like that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what changed in me, but maybe it was like a spiritual growth thing or something like that. But I realized that, you know, like I've been saying this whole time, it's like where, where you, what you use that energy for. You know, I, I recently went through something that was very painful for me. Um, with another person and, and they made me feel a certain way. And then they took that away from me. And like, and when that happens, you feel this real deep emptiness and like, and, and you, you relive the moment and say, Oh, what could I have done to to change this outcome? But what you have to realize is that like, there's nothing you could have done. It's not all about you and what you do. Sometimes it's about the whole picture. You have to look at it like that. And I think that we forget that because we get very, not that we're all narcissistic, narcissistic people, but like, but we do get very self-absorbed sometimes and we feel like, oh, if we had just done this, this way, then everything would work out differently, you know? Right. And I think that, you know, you, <laughs> there's a greater, there's a greater energy in life that's driving us, you know? And sometimes even if you make different choices, you still end up on the same road. And I think that, um, you just have to make better choices going forward. And maybe the choice that you made this last time is there to show you that next time you don't make that choice. And I, and when I, when I looked inside myself and I was reliving these moments over and over and I was driving myself absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? 
the lesson here is not to do this. The lesson is not to make myself go crazy and make myself feel bad and cry, whatever I want to do. That's not the lesson here. The lesson is to know that this is what this made me feel like. So next time, don't put myself into this predicament at all. Avoid it at all costs because it's never going to be positive for me, you know, and use that and write a song about it or make some art about it or take all that, that emotional energy. And when I'm on stage and I feel like I can't sing anymore and I'm going to fall over, use that energy to make myself get through the set. Like, you know, it's, it's things like that that you use to drive yourself forward in art. And I think that, um, and if you're not an artist and you're just, you know, you, you work at the nine to five or whatever you do, it's still, you can use that energy to like drive yourself forward, to make yourself do things that you don't think that you could ever do. And, um, you know, that's once again, it's all about harnessing energy. Yeah. And I'm really all about that. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Like that's something that I've been dealing with for the, probably the past almost three years after you know this really terrible relationship I was in, and I was like beating mm-hmm. myself over, over and over and over again. You know, thinking about that time oh, yeah. and, and what I could have done better, what I've what I could have not done, or whatever. Being embarrassed yeah. about the uh, about the time, being right. embarrassed about what I got myself into. And then eventually, mm-hmm. I got to like, you know what? I'm just gonna try to harness that energy into positive things in my life and I've been able to actually create a lot of like dope things that I wasn't doing before and that makes me happy right but that shit still haunts you oh it's gonna haunt you but you have to be okay with that because you already you made the choice it's done you can't change the things in the past can't change what happened to you so the only thing you can do is is move forward from it and learn from it and not make the same choices and when it comes back to haunt you and you, you know, you dream about it at night or you wake up and you think about it, you, you, you make the choice to take that energy or to take that, you know, emotional feeling that you're, you're having. You make the choice to take all of that and you make the choice to harness it into doing something positive for yourself that day or pushing you to, you know, work harder in some sort of aspect of your life. You use it to push yourself to be better because that's the only thing you can change. That's the only thing you can control in your life is who you are and what you do. Yeah. You can't control anybody or anything around you. And the minute you realize that and let go of all of that negativity, that's when you start growing, you know, spiritually as a person. And well, I really do believe in that. Definitely, definitely. When, you know, you know, kind of going back to the subject of, you know, how, you know, open you are about things in your life, uh, how do you sort of balance, you know, sharing this stuff, you know, online when there can be so much negativity online with people trolling or having this sort of feeling of uh, being anonymous online to say whatever the fuck they want to say? You know, how do you sort of, you know, swim those waters? Uh, you know, I mean, it's just what I just said before. Like, you can't control what other people do. You can't control how they react to what you do. You can't control anything except for yourself and what you do. Yeah. So I don't put out, I don't put out things, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened to me in life that I don't share. And there's, there's specifics of things that have happened to me in life that I don't share. And I probably won't ever share those things. But, um, 
you know, I think that I make the choice of what I actually put out there and, and how I put it out there. I think it all comes down to like how you, you know, put things out there. You can, you can say stuff to, you know, provoke uh, a feeling of guilt in other people or a feeling of sorrow or, you know, or you can say stuff to provoke a, a way of learning in people or a way of like showing people that you have used this to move yourself forward. You have used this for a positive thing. I think if you, if you put it, if you spin it like that and like show people how this has bettered your life, even though it was a horrible thing, it's actually made you into a better person because you've learned from it. Nobody can talk shit on that. You know, there's just no way you can't like, how are you going to talk shit on somebody who has grown past their obstacles? You know, it's like talking crap on somebody that, you know, got through cancer. It's like, how are you going to do that? Like you can't, right. You know, it's like, like they, they won. They didn't lose. They won. It's the people that wallow in it and are seeking pity and seeking, you know, that condolence from people constantly. That's when it's like, that's when people, you know, hate and like, they feel like they should, they should say something. But, you know, the, the haters, there's, there's a lot of haters out there, you know, for different reasons. You know, I just, I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry that they, they have to hide behind a computer screen and because you know, they'd never come up to me in my face and say that stuff. (laughs) Right, right, right. But it's, you know, it's like, if they did, I'd probably clock them. But, (laughs) you know, it's like, (laughs) but, you know, I, you know, I just, I feel sorry for them, you know, and, and I, if I see it, I delete it off my page because I don't want to look at it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want that negativity in my space. Yeah. This is my home. This is my house. Like, if you want to be in my house, you abide by my rules. You don't take a shit on my front porch and then walk away and I just sit there with it. You know, not going to happen. So, um, I think that that's very, you know, apropos to like what goes on on the internet. Right, right, right. Turn into some, uh, some band stuff. Uh, you guys been touring a lot. How's the, the touring been? How's the soul collecting been? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. We're reaping souls everywhere. No, it's good. Um, we just played Ink in the Clink, which was fun. Um, it's at this old prison, uh, where the Shawshank was. Redemption was filmed, which was really cool. Okay. Um, yeah, there, it was awesome. I met the owner of, of the whole, whole area and stuff like that, and he was very, very cool to talk to about the history behind everything in the prison. And it's a really interesting spot with a lot of – it's a little bit of a weird energy in, in the prison. Like, you feel it when you walk through it. You can feel, you know – spots that are very like dark and spots that are very light and, and things like that. But it's a very interesting place to be. I like it. It's, it's really cool. And we had a lot of fun playing that place. Right. Uh, you also have a, a new video coming out for uh, To You See Heaven. It's uh, centered yeah. around you having this ballet performance. You know, what was the idea behind mm-hmm. it and what did you have to do to prepare for it? Um, I had to, uh, I had to put on my point shoes again, which I haven't done in like years. And that was very scary for me, (laughs) but I wanted to do it because it did scare me, you know, and I wanted to put it out there because it's scary to put something like that out there that I haven't done in such a long time. And I'm such a perfectionist that, um, you know, if I, I used to be like, if like, if it didn't look perfect, you know, which with ballet, like if 
my turnout wasn't perfect or my turns weren't perfect. I, mean, I didn't want to show it, but now it's just kind of like it's an art piece, so it's not supposed to be perfect. And it's a, it's it's like watching it's like watching September collect the soul in a different way. You know, she's collecting this this guy's soul, and it's a very um, it's almost like a memory. It's almost like her remembering the feeling of collecting the soul and this is how it felt. Not that she went around dancing and collecting souls, but like this is the 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 emotion that it, it evokes in her is how she felt and that's and the physical the physicality of the the dancing is, is how she remembers it. That's how she chooses to remember how the soul is collected. So it's a very artistic, like off the beaten path sort of video, you know, but I wanted to do it because I thought it would be really cool. Right. Who directed the uh, video? Um, Steven Contreras from um, Marion Records directed the video. Awesome, awesome. I... When, uh, you know, in regards to, like, when you're doing, when you're touring and, you know, going out to shows, or even if it's just, like, online, you know, how do you feel when, like, your fans, like, send you fan art of you or show up to the shows dressed like you? Um, I love it. I mean, I think it's really cool. I, I like that they, that the characters and the um, emotion of the characters evoke something positive and artistic in other people and they feel like they can share that with me and I and I love that and I I respect it and I I'm honored that you know that happens I think it's amazing right there was a you know there's this topic you brought up at one time in regards to you know when you're touring and doing the meet and greets you know there's you know a certain few people that get mad uh, in regards to you know, you got you you just asked that you buy like at least a sticker if you want a picture with you, and yeah. I think that's totally. I I'm like I get it, you know, because you you spend so much time developing a character, all these characters, and even putting on the wardrobe, putting on the makeup. That that's art. That's as much as part part of the art as the ticket they bought to watch you perform. Um, right. So how long how long does it you know does it usually take for you to get into the September morning, you know, get up, uh, all that makeup and everything. It's three hours every night. So yeah, see, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of work to do that each and every uh, each and every show. Um, and I know that you know other bands out there, you know, they have much more expensive meet and greets or much more what whatever meet and greets you guys are just asking for a little bit just to because that is part of your art you know kind of speak about you right. know that that sort of you know your idea of being a part of of the meet and greets with your fans um in regards to when you're touring um i think that you know a lot of bands do meet and greets and they sell tickets to them for like a hundred dollars and then you can come and meet the band and take pictures with them and um and they sell those and then they don't come out to the merch table they only do the meet and greet yeah. and that's how they do it um and i for us you know how we've done it in the past and how we're doing it right now is that like i i like to see the fans in person i like to see all of them in person i like to go out to the merch table i like to experience 
like um, their reaction when they actually see the costume up close and see how much work went into it and see, you know, how much time goes into what we do, you know, and, and how particular we are about everything that we do. And, um, I think it's important that, that they see that because, you know, I want them to bear witness to what they're actually getting. You know, they, I want them to know that this is something that I've thought about. You know, it's not, I didn't go to Halloween town or pick up the masks and, you know, do that. I didn't do that. I didn't buy the stuff off the rack. This is stuff that I created. I designed, I made, I put my blood, sweat and tears into every single piece of this, this costume and, and these costumes and these masks and whatever we do. And I think that, you know, I want them to see that. So for that reason alone, it's very nice to go out to the merch table and see people. Um, yes, we do ask that people, if they want to take pictures, which they often do, if they just, you know, buy something for a dollar or $5, like a wristband or something like that, instead of paying $100 for a meet and greet. Because I know that a lot of people can't afford $100 for a meet and greet, but I still want to see these fans and I still want to be there for them. And, you know, the $5 to them might not mean a lot or it might, but it does help with makeup expenses and the costume expenses and the touring expenses. Like every dollar really helps us get to the next city and, you know, save up to make a new costume for for me, which I desperately need right now. and, and things like that. And I think that when you express that to the fans and you tell them, like, this is actually for, you know, making new art pieces. This is actually for expanding the universe, you know. This isn't for us to go off and buy a Maserati. This is for us to actually do something positive to, help, to show you next time we come through your town, look, you helped us create this new piece of this world. This is what you did. You know, it's not us. It's it's all of us. It's, it's all of our fans. It's like this whole community. Like we're, this is like an artistic community. And every time you buy a t-shirt, you're becoming a part of this community, you know? So, um, I think that when they understand that, they understand, Oh, you know, this is how it works, you know? And I think that if you communicate that to fans, they really get it. Right. There's, um, you know, there's a lot of bands that sort of, uh, just with sort of the way the music business is going and you don't necessarily make money off of record sales. Like they've come up with uh, interesting ideas on tour (laughs) to, um, to make some money so they can pay more of their uh, staff that's on tour. Like, um, like, like take a, like hate breed or uh, Jamie Josta's uh, solo band Josta. There's times when he's like had like a roadie for a day thing that he would sell off and there's a person who gets to be a roadie for a day and they love it and everything and they get to be a part of something you know and he and he's like yo i'm not doing this for greed i'm doing this so i can pay pay my uh the rest of my band or my guitar tax or whatever uh the money that they deserve to be making on this tour you know none of this is for greed you know we're all trying to find ways to make more money on this so everybody can eat while we're on tour and make the money that they do deserve to make. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's hard because we're all learning about the new music business model. Like it's, it's, it's a new model now. It's totally different than it was five, 10 years ago. Um, it's even different than it was a year ago. Like it keeps changing, but like, you know, you have to get out of that, that mindset that rock stars are rock stars anymore because they're not. 
they're not like what we think rock stars are, like flying on private jets with gigs and like right. partying and like all. Yeah, that's just not how it is anymore. There's just no room for that because the money isn't as um, it doesn't flow as as freely as it used to. Um, so you have to be more creative in how you earn, you know, your salary, how you earn, you know, how you make your money. Like this is a job. You know, it is an artistic vision. It is creativity. I do do it for the art, but it also is a job. You know, it's there to pay um, our bills so that we can actually do it, you know, um, and we can actually survive on the road. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people still to this day think that it's a lot more glamorous than it really is, you know. And <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of the older bands that I talked to that, were big in their heyday, you know, where the money was flowing more freely, you know, they even say that it's, it's a crazy number crunch now. You know, they're not doing 10 tour buses anymore. They're doing one and they're like, and they're barely doing that. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how much it's changed and the influx of hip hop culture and different um, EDM and different types of music that have become so much more popular than rock music. Um, has changed the, the the mechanics of the business as well. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that. That we're not just, um, it's not just because of CD sales declining. It's also because of the change of the climate of personal taste in music um, dictating how much money is spent on our specific genre. And I think that in itself is something that people forget, you know, and they forget that it affects us very personally on a monetary level. Right. And I think because of, uh, you know, being forced to do that, I think a lot of bands, you know, not, not all of them, but there's a lot of bands in sort of the hard rock and metal, you know, genres that have been able to do this sort of be more creative with, you know, what they do on tour or do with their merch and everything. And it's very interesting. Like, like I, like I've already brought up a bunch of times, uh, you know, I'm big into wrestling. And when you go and see like how indie wrestlers sort of do their merchandise and, you know, make their money on the road, it's actually really fascinating. You know, they do their own merch table and have all these amazing creative designs. And I almost think that uh, pro wrestling is actually, you know, eclipsed music in regards to cool merch, you know. So, you know, I definitely believe that like a band like yours and, you know, a lot of other bands have become very creative uh, in a positive way in regards in regards to how they, you know, can make money and and sell merch and whatnot. Yeah, I think that it's it's I mean, it's cool. It's it's cool to be pushed creatively, uh, creatively um, to expand your creative vision. Um, I hate when it's forced but it has been forced now because yeah. of the situation and the climate. I mean, I don't like forced creativity, but it's kind of, like you said, it, it's good because it, it has made us more creative. It's made us think a lot more outside the box and, right. and, and how, we, how we do things. So that is, is a positive way of thinking about it. Right, and now, like, like when you think of, of merch, you can, like, be like, okay, what's this next T-shirt we can do? Can we, maybe we, okay, maybe we can take one of our songs and sort of put a, a visual spin on it, and this will be our next T-shirt. You know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in that manner that can happen now because of, you know, you're sort of forced into that sort of way of life. Yeah. 
Mm. Also, um, um, and the, oh, and another thing that I, you know, I just wanted to mention is like, you know, I've been to a few of your shows and afterwards come talk with you and you're always a really, you know, nice and, you know, it's very warming to come and talk with you. You're very inviting. So it's just like, that's, that's like a really good thing to know about a band is that, you know, the member that was the lead singer or their members are like cool people to go hang out with after the show. Yeah, well, we try to be that. I mean, I think that, you know, there's no need to be pretentious or anything like that. I I think I see a lot of bands that are kind of like that. Yeah. Um, you know, that that put up these walls and, and oh, you know, we're, you know, we're this big and so we, you know, have body bars and we have this and that. And, I mean, I understand, like, people do get crazy sometimes. <laughs> I've had it happen to me. But I think that, um, you know, there's, there's a balance. Yeah. There's always a balance. And, and you, you know, you, you have to keep yourself protected in a way because that's how you are with people you just meet anyway. You know, um, it's like, I think that the, the society has to realize that even though, you know, you buy the music, buy the features, stuff like that, you haven't bought the person, right. you know, you don't own me. You don't own my band. You own, you own a piece of it, you know, like, yeah. um, but there is a respect in both ways. It goes both ways. I respect you in your space and you respect me in my space. And I think that's a very important thing to realize. And, and sometimes it does get a little crazy one way or the other. And I think that's when, you know, people have to be put in check. But I think for the most part, you know, we have such great fans and such good people surrounding this project. And, and the energy around this project is very positive And we try to keep it very much that way. Right, and I and I definitely like that. Uh, that you mentioned it; it goes both ways, and there's a respect on on both ends. You know, I don't you know necessarily like when there's a sort of an obligation set from the from either side, whether it's an obligation set from the artist to like you should be buying my music, or an obligation from the the fan for whatever reason, whatever thing that you know gets always sort of murky on me. Like, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name the band, and I know it's a band that you've toured with, but there's mm-hmm. there's this one band that I, I was at their show. Their merch person was super aggressive, and their meet and greet mm-hmm. was total bullshit. Like, you just got a picture. No, you didn't even get to talk to the person. You just got a picture with the person, and then you're on. And I was like, it turned, yeah. me, it really turned me off from that band. I was like, what the fuck's this shit? It was just like, yeah. So I, you know, there definitely, there definitely needs to be boundaries, but at the same time, you know, there should be respect, you know, going both ways. Yeah, and I mean, we all we all realize that we're we're human beings. So you know, like there's some people have off days. You know, you don't yeah. you're never like perky and fun every single day of your life. You know, right. and and artists are very um, I don't want to say temperamental. That's a negative way of putting it. But like <laughs> you know, we're emotional people. So yeah. you have to realize that. So you know, it's maybe one day the meet and greet isn't as high five everybody like they're <laughs> pizza sort of thing, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. Like, you know, maybe they had, you had got, got the news that their mom died. Like maybe, you know, you never know what other people are going through. And that's, that's like why I kind of say what I say is about having mutual respect. Like know that, you know, it's not like, it's not like when you buy a ticket, it's like dance monkey dance. It's right. not like that, you know. It's like, you know, we are human beings. We have 
feelings, we have emotions, we are going through our own personal shit, you know? So, like, I think that it's really important that people realize that and, and are respectful of that, you know? And it goes both ways. Because you might go to this show and you might be having a bad day. And maybe it would make you feel better when you when you see the show and stuff like that. But you don't know what's going on in each one of our personal lives, you know, right. if we don't share it directly. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, before I let you go, uh, you know, now, you know, you have a new video coming out. The The first issue of the comic book is uh, is out now. What uh, What's mm-hmm. next for September morning? We're writing a new record. That's the big thing right now um, is writing new music. We just need a new record, and it's time. The other ones, we've done a lot of touring on this other record, and we want to do something new and fresh and really develop the sound and come out with something that's absolutely, like, jaw-dropping. Right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my goal is to really develop the music. Um, I think the image and the show, and we've developed that a lot, and I think the music now really needs to get on board. To where we are physically and um, visually, so that's what we're looking for. What's a, what did you learn uh, off that uh, first record that um, you know sticks in your mind right now as you go into writing this new record? I think that um, really honing in on our sounds and figuring that out. You know, we touched on a lot of different sounds in the last record, and um, I like that. I like that it's eclectic in a way, but I really want to have a very cohesive record this next time around that focuses on the sound and takes and takes more risks than we took on the last one. You know, I, I want to take those risks. Yeah. I want to like take those artistic sort of risks and and um, and really make them count. You know, I think that it's important. You know, the the band the band is very. Um, you don't see a band like us every day, you know. And the music should be the same way. You don't hear a band like us every day either. Like it needs to follow suit to what you see. And I think that's what we want to. We're developing that now. We've been developing that over the past couple of years, and I think that we're really gonna um, knock it, you know, knock it out of the park this time. So we're really gonna focus on that. Awesome. Uh, if anybody wants to, you know, find more information about the band, the project, anything online, where should they go? SeptemberMorning.com, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G.com, and it has all of our socials, it has our tour dates, it has videos, it has merch, places to buy merch. Um, so you can just check out that website and you'll get everything. All right, fantastic. Like always, it's been great talking with you. Okay, thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. All right, that was my interview with Emily Lazar, September of September Morning. It's always great to uh, talk with her. Uh, go ahead and cap that on their latest album, Volume 2, uh, via Sumerian Records. And go check out that uh, that new video for uh, TUC Heaven. The link will be in the post on com. And also go pick up that, uh, that comic book, the Volume 1 of September Morning. I have a copy of it, and it's pretty awesome. All right, that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.